Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, DP Sidhu. It's week 12. It's Thanksgiving week. It's the Texans at the Lions for just the second time in franchise history on a Thanksgiving day. And actually, my very first time covering a Thanksgiving day game. So I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about this podcast because... I chatted with Lonnie Johnson, who has made the switch to safety, in case you hadn't noticed, came off a big game against New England with a safety blitz at the end there on uh, the, the, pa- the Patriots' second-to-last drive on fourth down. We talked to him about that, making that transition, what that was like, what his offseason consisted of, and it, uh, his answer kind of surprised me what he was actually working on. So uh, that was a lot of fun to catch up with Lonnie. And then my good friend Tori Petrie of the Detroit Lions, she's their team reporter. We chatted about this whole Thanksgiving Day matchup, what it means to the Lions. It's a big, big game for this Lions team who's coming off a tough loss against the Panthers, got shut out, and things are very much in flux in Detroit, so they need to get back on track with a win on Thursday. So we talk a little bit about the matchup, but first, Xfinity XFi gives you the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. You can score with internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of the Deep Slant podcast. So let's kick off this podcast with my one-on-one with Lonnie Johnson. Had a chance to chat with him before the players departed for Detroit this week as they get ready for a big, big game there on Thanksgiving Day. Nationally televised, a lot of these players talked about it during the week. They've watched it growing up. Uh, But, you know, I talked to Lonnie more about just this offseason, this entire transition to safety. I was really intrigued by how that went down and what he's thought about making the change so far, and why do him and Justin Reed call themselves the Evil Twins? We get into all of it right here on the Deep Slant Podcast. In his second year, first at safety. So, Lonnie, let's just start there because I feel like the big storyline for you all year is the fact that you have made the move to safety. How how has it been for you? How has this season played out for you? Um, you know, it, it's been better than I, I would say my rookie year. Um, safety is definitely uh, easier than playing corner. Uh, besides the communication part. Um, it's just being out there on the island, it, people really don't understand how tough it really is. And being out there on the back end, I mean, it's still it's still tough, but I feel like I'm more comfortable back there. I'm able to do more for this team. Well, you know, John Harris, he does our sideline reporting. He had said a long time ago that he really felt like you'd be a natural at safety. Is that something that you thought was coming in your future? Did you feel like you were eventually going to make the move at safety or or when were you first approached that that's sort of where things were headed for you? Um, I, I felt like that it was on the way. I was trying to dodge it for, for a minute, trying to see if I can at least get to my second contract first before I get this move. But um, I mean, whatever works for the team, you know, and, and, they wanted me at safety, so I, I mean, I'm not going to tell them no. I just went out there and just hey, embraced it. Well, you have because Romeo Cornell has said that you just seem to be getting better and better, whether you're playing at the line of scrimmage or whether you're playing deep, that you really come a long way in playing safety, and, and you've really shown a lot of improvement. So, you know, what had the whole transition been like? Is it pretty easy to go from cornerback to safety, or do you think it would have been easier going the other way? Um, I would say not not anybody can do it, um, but I'm big on my craft and and like I, I take note of anything I've done in the past that I didn't do right and I try to do it better the next time around. So um, anything that I didn't do right from my first season, my rookie season, um, I try not to 
do that this year. And with with me playing safety this year, um, any mistakes I made in early, I try not to make those same mistakes. So, uh, like I said, everybody can't do it because you gotta uh, you gotta make sure you pay attention while you're in meetings and make sure you um, know pretty much every everything. So it was it was just easy for me because I paid attention while I was at corner. I mean, a lot of people talk about that year one to year two jump that a lot of players make. And, you know, you were going from year one to year two in a really strange offseason. It was COVID. There weren't OTAs. You didn't have a training camp. You know, did that make it harder to make the switch? Or at that point, did you still feel like you were going to stick with cornerback? Or or had you at that point started making that transition to safety in your mind? Um, I came in. Uh, I think, like, the first – the uh, since you said, like you said, we had no offseason – uh, so the coaches didn't really get to see like all the work that I had put in this offseason at corner. Um, and then once I came in and I was I was doing fine at corner, um, I think so. And I think the coaches seen that, too. But um, once they moved me to safety and they seen like the, the flashes, they know my aggressiveness. Uh, they just know that I'm one of them players like you really don't want to piss off. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like the coaches made the right move with it. Well, we certainly thought so after watching that Patriots game. I just that the play that stands out, obviously that that fourth and four with Cam Newton, you and and Justin Reed both coming out blitzing. I mean, is that one of your favorite play calls to get dialed up as a safety? I have to imagine that's a lot of fun to get to do that. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, that's my evil twin, man. So when 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 he calls that play, we look at each other like you already know it's go time. So it's like. Uh, we just go out there and, and we try – me and him competing with each other. You know, I always said that. Um, me and Justin Reed, we just going to come in, we're going to compete with each other. And when he make that call, you know, it's whoever get there first, man, get the set. You said evil twin. I was totally going to ask you about the evil twin because I see both of you posting about the evil twin. So both of you are evil. There's not like a good and an evil twin. <laughs> You're both evil, right? So <laughs> – where did that come from? Who started this evil twin stuff, and what does it what does it mean? Um, I think I think actually uh, a fan has said they couldn't tell me and Justin Reed apart on the field one day. I think we had <laughs> on the same glove, same cleat, both our dress was sticking out our helmet, and it was like they couldn't tell us apart. So um, from that point on, I was like, man, forget it. Let's just call each other evil twins. <laughs> Go out here. We both got bad attentions when we hit people. We just both got like a lot of built up anger and we we put it out there on the field in a good way. And I mean, it's, it just plays out that way, man. It seems like you two really get along off the field, too. I mean, how much did you rely on him uh, just being in the league an extra year from you and, and then just in making that move to safety and, and getting to play back there with him? See, we we help each other because like. Um, like you said, he's been in the league a year longer than me, but I'm actually older than him. Oh, so you are? Like, yeah, so it's like, hey, that's my little brother, but, like, he called me his little brother in, <laughs> in the league. So it's like, you know, it's a lot of back and forth with me and him with that. And, I mean, like like you said, we real tight off the field, and, and like, he helps me with a lot of stuff as far as playbook-wise. I tell him what I see, and he tells me what he sees. We just helping each other, man. Hopefully, like – the organization keep us together for a long time. I wouldn't mind. All right. So you're both evil twins and you're both little brothers. I like it. <laughs> All right. So you've had a lot of changes personally. You welcomed another baby girl this season. So first of all, congratulations on that. Thank you. 
I saw that you posted that with your first daughter being born. And I remember when you, when your first daughter was born, because we were still having training camp mm-hmm. and you were holding this little bitty baby at camp. So she had just been born. You had just joined with the Texans and now you're the dad of two. You had posted that you didn't cry with the first, but this time was different. So what was, what was different about this time having, having um, a, a baby girl? I mean, just, just knowing that, that I have two kids, two girls at that, um, this one got part of my name. Uh, she's born, in, she's born in November. My birthday is in November. So both Scorpio, you know, it, it was just, it's just so much emotions that came with my second child. It was just like, like, I love my first one to death, you know, but I didn't know how I was going to react when the second one came. And um, just, I just knew that I had to turn my game to a whole nother level because I have two girls and I want them to be proud of their dad in any way possible, you know, and I want them to just know that like they dad going to be around for a long time in this league. So I had to turn it up for them. Do you think being a dad has changed what sort of player you are or, or how you are just in general? What kind of dad are you? Man, uh, so so like you said, like a dad has being a dad has changed me. Um, as you can see, my energy from the Patriots game probably was different from my whole first year, from this whole season. Like like it just came from I guess my daughters. Um, I, I know at this point, like I'm playing for them, and and I have to do whatever I got to do to make sure the food stays on the table for them. So I'm going to get it. Well, you definitely look like you've hit your stride. You you had a big game against the Patriots. You also had uh, the five tackles, two quarterback hits alongside Evil Twin, who got his first sack. So what about for you for the rest of the season? I mean, what's what's in your future? What are some goals that you've set for yourself? Uh, I have a ton of goals, but um, honestly, I just, I just love winning. You know, um, personally, I just love winning um, with this team. And I do whatever whatever it takes you know, to go out there and get that win. I'm just going to have that type of energy for the rest of this season and for the rest of my career. Well, Lonnie, it's always a pleasure chatting with you and wish you the best of luck. You and Evil Twin, we definitely want to see the twins stay together for a long time, especially the way y'all are playing these days. Definitely. Best of luck. Thank you. Good stuff from Lonnie Johnson. He's from Gary, Indiana. I told him after the interview that I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. So we're just a few hours apart, our hometowns. And uh, here he is in Houston, really, really making a home for himself there in the backfield. All right, let's switch gears. Uh, we talked to Tori Petri. I chatted with her actually last week as well. And if you haven't had a chance, you need to go to HoustonTexans.com because we did, um, I guess, a two-on-two interview with AJ and CJ Moore, who will face off against each other for the first time. They're identical twins, both safeties. AJ plays for the Texans, obviously, and CJ plays for the Lions. And AJ's been doing a lot of nice things on special teams, but he's been taking snaps at defense as well. And so, you know, we thought, let's get to know the brothers. So that's called Know Your Bro. It's up on HoustonTexans.com. But then, again, a few days later, I chatted with Tori about the matchup, about Thursday's game against the Lions, what it means to that Detroit team under Matt Patricia, because things are very much, very much up in the air for them right now. They had a chance to go 500. They didn't do it. Not only that, they got shut out by P.J. Walker and the Panthers. So they're looking to get back back on track with a, with a win in a game that they historically have played very, very well in. So... What's the different about this 2020 Lions team? We catch up with Tori to find out. Tori, welcome in. It's Thanksgiving Day. I know you've covered a lot of these games. I'm super excited. It's my first. But, you know, what is the best part about playing on Thanksgiving? 
Well, DP, first of all, one of the best parts of this week is getting a double dose of hanging out with you. I'm glad that we've gotten to do this a couple of times. But no, like I've told you, you are going to love this Thanksgiving Day game. It is such a blast to be a part of. It's really cool to have the entire country's eyes on this game. Obviously, it will look a little bit different this year. Usually the atmosphere in Ford Field is absolutely electric, no matter how the Lions are doing. Everybody comes out for that Thanksgiving Day game and is in a, in a great mood. It's a holiday. Everyone has a lot of fun. It'll be a little bit different this year because there won't be fans in the stadium. But I'm thinking that the players will still bring that energy because the Lions have had this Thanksgiving tradition for years and years and years. And uh, all these players know how special it is. I know we've been hearing about it all week. The players are super pumped to get to play in Thanksgiving for many of them the first time because the last time these two teams played, a lot of them weren't even in the NFL. So Let's talk about this Lions team. They're four and six. Uh, we saw the loss on Sunday, a tough loss against the Panthers. They were shut out. But how important is this game for the Lions against the Texans on Thursday? And how much of a concern are the injuries on, on such a short week? Yeah, the injuries definitely played a part in Sunday's loss in Carolina. But you can't really blame that because Carolina had plenty of injuries on their side as well. Their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, did not play. Christian McCaffrey did not play. So they were playing with backups at both of those positions. So Lions can't really blame that loss on Sunday on injuries. They just really couldn't get anything going offensively. They were shut out for the first time since 2009. So they are, uh, you know, coming off of a very, very tough loss. So that makes this Thanksgiving Day game so important for them. I know they are all looking to get the bad taste out of their mouth, out of that shutout on Sunday. They want to come out. They want to perform well on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, especially this since this is kind of a game that the Lions own since they started the Thanksgiving tradition. Uh, but, you know, that makes this Thursday so important. They had a chance to get back to 500 on Sunday against the Panthers. They weren't able to do it. But if they let this one drop as well, they really fall into a tough spot. Well, the last time these two teams played each other, one guy that was definitely on the field was quarterback Matt Stafford back in 2012. So uh, this year, 17 touchdowns to just seven interceptions on the season. There were a lot of high expectations for Stafford, it seemed like, coming into the season. He was healthy. He's overcome a lot in year 12, a couple of COVID scares and all. But, you know, why has his performance not necessarily translated into wins this year? Yeah, it's been a little bit puzzling because Matthew Stafford was playing so well at an all-pro level last year before he was injured in week nine and missed the rest of the season. And that was in Daryl Bevel's offense. He was a first-time coordinator here at the Lions. He joined the Lions last year, and Matthew Stafford was thriving in his offense. Still Daryl Bevel at offensive coordinator this year, but the connection just hasn't been working quite as smoothly. It's kind of hard to diagnose why Matthew Stafford has been absolutely stellar when they get into those two-minute drills, uh, you know, just one minute left on the clock in the game. He's still been great at that. We all know how good he is in those kinds of situations. But then there have been other points in games where he's made some questionable decisions. That's where those interceptions have come from. Most of them have just been kind of, uh, you know, scratch-your-head type of decisions that he would take responsibility for as well. You know, that was just a bad decision. That was a bad throw. Uh, and that's what's happened with those interceptions that he's had. So he has struggled a little bit this season. We haven't quite seen him play up to that level level that he was last year before he got injured but he has been through a lot coming into this season as far as you know missing the whole year last year uh, you know and then obviously the COVID scares and missing an entire week of practice one week because he was uh, quarantined you know all those kinds of things those those make things challenging and I know he's trying to get things back on track but it's also tough when your defense hasn't really been able to 
to uh, pull their weight as well. So I think that's been part of it, kind of trying to feel like he's got to carry this team and kind of, you know, push the ball a little bit more than he usually would because of, you know, other factors on the team. But, you know, I know he's looking to turn things around and there's still time left of the season. All right. One thing he does do well, we dug up this next gen stat presented by AWS max air distance. So top five quarterbacks. Okay. Max distance is distance from the point of release to the point of catch. I had to look this up because I wanted to make sure I got it right. Top five quarterbacks in the league. Matthew Stafford is number four with 61.8 yards. Deshaun Watson also makes that list. Number two with 63.4 yards max air distance. So tell me what has made the downfield passing attack so successful for Stafford this year? Listen, I would love to see just a a shootout on Thursday, just see a lot of deep passes. Those are always the most fun ones to watch, but I know it's important for this team, uh, the Lions, that is to establish the run. That's always what they build their passing game off of. And there have been times this season where that has worked. And that's when you've seen that downfield passing. That's when you've seen him connect with guys like Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., even Marvin Hall. Those guys have been catching those deep passes from Stafford. We all know we've watched Stafford's career unfold. He excels in those types of situations, but the Lions are really trying to set that up with the run. And when they haven't been able to set that up with the run, those have been the games where we haven't seen quite as many deep passes. Well, you mentioned the running game. So we saw that DeAndre Swift went out with the concussion. He missed Sunday's game against the Panthers. Uh, But you still have a veteran in Adrian Peterson. So if Swift can't go and Peterson steps in, How different does that run game look? What does Peterson bring to the run game that Swift doesn't? How do those backs really complement each other on the ground? I mean, it's really been unfortunate to see DeAndre Swift go down. Obviously, you never want to see these guys get concussions. That's what he's struggling with right now. And he got one just after he got his first start for the Lions. He had been playing in and out. Uh, You know, they'd been kind of doing a running back by committee approach. But he got his first start, played absolutely stellar, had almost 150 yards from scrimmage. And then that later that week, he comes down with that concussion. So it's really unfortunate for the rookie because he was just starting to really come on. We were really starting to see what this offense could look like when he was in there. So unfortunately, the Lions haven't been able to have him out there. We'll see what happens on Thanksgiving day, but they have still been using that running back by committee approach. So it wasn't like DeAndre Swift was their bell cow that was taking all the carries. They were still working guys like Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson in there. Adrian Peterson really started off this season as the Lions starter. And, you know, he had two games where he had over 75 yards rushing. And we saw, hey, Adrian Peterson can still get it done. Now, the Lions weren't able to get their run game going on Sunday against Carolina, that first game that DeAndre Swift missed. So we'll see if they can turn things around. The offensive line had kind of an uncharacteristic day, but I think that's kind of their philosophy. As long as they win in the trenches, it doesn't matter who's in the backfield. All right, I want to ask you about tight end TJ Hawkinson, because I remember when he was coming out in the draft, he was highly touted. There was a lot of buzz around this tight end, and now he's in year two. So how has he progressed from year one to year two, and where does he fit into that offense? Yeah, TJ's been one of Matthew Stafford's favorite targets so far this year. He's been playing very solid. Obviously, it kind of switches up the offense like this last week when you were missing guys like Kenny Galladay and Danny Amendola. Those are other go-to targets for Matthew Stafford. So the defense has to pay a lot of attention to them. Now, when those guys are out and you have less, you know, high-powered guys to, to, you know, focus on That gives a little bit more attention to TJ Hawkinson. He didn't quite put up the same numbers, but the best play for the Lions in that game against the Panthers was a 35-yard catch 
from TJ Hawkinson. So we know that he can get it done. He's been really important for the guy, for the Lions at that tight end position. And one of their most exciting games so far this season was against the Atlanta Falcons when they had a drive to win the game down in the final minutes. And it was TJ Hawkinson who caught that touchdown pass. So he's been a real important part of this team this year. All right. Well, let's talk about that defense because the Lions wanted some pass rush help. They got pass rush help. And it was uh, just right around the trade deadline. They traded for Everson Griffin, uh, the defensive end from the Dallas Cowboys. So what was Matt Patricia's vision for him? How has that transition been so far? And has he lived up to the expectations for him? Yeah, it took Everson just about two games to get going. But by that second game, he had already set a franchise record for quarterback hits. He had five in that game, and it was just his second game as a Lion. So, yes, he's been absolutely crucial on that defensive line. And he came at a perfect time because Trey Flowers went on IR right when Everson Griffin joined this team. So the Lions were looking for help along that defensive line. I mean, Trey Flowers is arguably their best player on defense. And when he goes on IR, you luckily had just brought in a guy who could help out with getting after the quarterback. And Everson has lived up to the billing. And it's also helped that he's had Romeo Aquara on that defensive line with him as well, because Romeo has really come on this season. He's been a real big part of that defensive line. So between Romeo and Everson, the defensive line has improved since the beginning of the season. All right. So that uh, Lions defense, much like the Texans defense, has given up a lot of points this year. Uh, Lions give up an average of 28.7 points. Texans may be slightly better at 27.2 points per game on average. So where has the Lions defense struggled the most this year, do you think? Well, the biggest place they've struggled is in stopping the run. The games that they have won this season have been the games where they have been able to stop the run. That's kind of their philosophy. We want to run the ball. We want to be able to stop the run. When they haven't been able to stop the run, those have been the games that they've lost. They've had two games this season where they've allowed over 250 yards rushing. You can't win games when you allow that many yards in the run game. So the Lions have really, really needed to clean up that area of their game. There have been games where they've done it better than others. And like I said, those have been the games that they won. So that is going to be their MO against the Texans on Thanksgiving. They want to be able to stop the run, force the pass, and they feel like they can win when they do that. All right, Tori, before I let you go, I'm so bummed that it's not a traditional Thanksgiving Day game with the crowd and the halftime show and all that. But with that being said, I love me a good halftime show. So what has been the best one that you've covered since you've been with the Lions? Oh, goodness, man. Those are always so much fun, but it's also crazy because, you know, that's your little <laughs> break really in the it. game where it's like, okay, run to the bathroom, run, get a snack, <laughs> come back to your seat. So when you're covering the game, it is a little bit different, but those halftime shows uh, have really been a lot of fun. I think Andy Grammer did one a couple years ago where they had the cheerleaders do a really cool routine with him out on the field. That's the one that comes to mind. But, you know, it really is a shame that we won't have that. Maybe I'll have to like pull up some music on my laptop and just play it at <laughs> halftime just to feel like things are a little bit normal. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, but, you know, DV will miss having you guys in stadium on on uh, Thursday, I should say, because that Thanksgiving Day game is really a blast. But I know you guys will still have fun covering it from a distance. We will be certainly covering it from here with the pregame show and we'll show live shots of the stadium. Wish I was there as well. Hopefully these two teams can play again many, many times in the future. And it'll be under normal circumstances with a Absolutely. great halftime show. I remember Kid Rock back in the day, <laughs> Detroit native. I thought that was a lot of fun. I'm not necessarily a Kid Rock fan, but I thought that was a great halftime show. Tori, this has been great. It's been a lot of fun. Always great catching up with you. Have a great game and, and rest of the season. All right. Short week, not a short podcast and not short on content either because 
on Thanksgiving morning before the Texans kick off at the Lions at 11.30 a.m. Central. We will have the pregame show the way we always do. Drew Doherty and myself bringing you Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. We'll answer fan questions. We'll show you live looks at the field. Who is inactive? Who is not? Because a number of players didn't travel with the Texans, but Laramie Tunsil sure did travel. So we'll let you know if he's starting at left tackle and uh, get you caught up on everything you need to know about your Houston Texans before kickoff. So be sure to tune into that on Sports Radio 610 along with Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware, and John Harris for now. That's going to do it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch those videos that I mentioned up on HoustonTexans.com or on the mobile app presented by Kroger. So be sure to download that quick plug in for the mobile app and everyone that works on it because it's looking fantastic. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast. Stay safe out there. Have a great holiday week. Have a great Thanksgiving. And as always, go Texans.